Hello, and welcome to the media ministry of Living Word Church in Roberts, Illinois. Today, Pastor Douglas Lee shares truth from the Word of God that will inspire and motivate you. We pray that as you listen to this message, your ears will be open to hear and your heart to receive all that God has for you. Join us now as we journey together through God's Word. Well, I believe as I share today, there's, there's something the Holy Spirit's put on my heart for some time, and it is that, that, that God's love is the answer for a lot of things right now. It changes the nature of what's going on in the world, but I believe that, you know, I've I, for some years now heard news people say that our nation is going through some kind of revolution. Well, I believe what's happening in the world and in the nation is not all about God's will. I believe that whenever God desires to move and do something, the enemy tries to counteract and stop it. What I do know from the scripture that I'll point out as we start, God's love, and what I mean by that is the kind of love that comes from the Heavenly Father, counteracts all of this mess going on in the world. It sets things straight. Now, I'm not against people having equal rights. I'm not against a lot of the things that people are concerned about. I'm for people being equal and treated equal and loved equally, and, and I, I'm all about that. But that is not man's efforts to produce that will not bring about lasting change. Because what really is needed is our Redeemer to redeem some thinking to redeem some wrong thinking on every side of that issue. Now, what I want to address is what the Word says in, in Matthew 24. And Jesus said this in verse 10. He said, In the last days, iniquity or lawlessness will abound, and the love of many shall grow cold. He's telling us something will happen in the earth like we're seeing today. But then he's telling us what will counteract it and fix it. God is in the fix-it business. If God's desire is for love to increase in the earth and, and the body of Christ, the church, to be used as the instrument of his love, then that's the answer to the lawlessness. That's the answer to, to a world choosing to walk in craziness. The answer is the love of God. So when I look at the scripture, I literally look and say, okay, we know what the problem is. Problems in the earth are looming, and he said that they would as the, the end times uh, uh, came in, the end of ages came in. But he also said that there would be a great move of God in the church, and he called it his glorious church in the latter days. Well, that means there's something God wants to do in us that changes the course of history and derails what the enemy has in mind. And you might think like I do when I first look at the word, I think, but I'm just a person. Well, you're not really just a person. You are the body. You are the embodiment of God's anointing. You are a person walking around with Jesus being your Lord. That means you've allowed him by your invitation to live through you. That means if he's going to do anything, he will do it through you and me. And I, I believe God's smart enough to know that there's plenty of Christians in the earth and a number of them who will be used by him in this hour to counteract what the enemy has in mind. Now, we don't do that by just walking around in ignorance. We do that because we're enlightened and we understand we're on a mission. 
Understand that you always, as long as you're breathing in this earth, have a mission. When I look at Matthew 24, it's Jesus' own words. Uh, whenever I see that Jesus himself said something, I pay doubly close attention to that because he's my master. And if you call yourself a Christian, then he's your master. Now, how much we let him be master depends on how much we know him. We can say he's our master, but if we don't know what he wants, we're going to act in ignorance to, to what he wants. We're, we're not going to be able to do it. We're not going to even know about it. So I want you to know what is the word of the Lord for this hour. It's loving God first and loving people next, putting yourself on the back burner. When we find in Scripture, you know, any word about loving ourselves, it says that we can love ourselves as much as we love other people, not more. That means, in, in, in common terms, am I giving people love? Am I giving God's people love? And people out there, God's love that don't know Him, more than it is that I'm after being affirmed myself. Am I asking for other folks' prayer requests to be answered more than I'm praying for mine to be answered? Am I happy when somebody else gets blessed or does it trigger in me a little bit of envy and a little bit of aggravation? You know, we have ways to choose to evaluate if we're part of the solution. I believe as long as the body of Christ is asleep in this hour, the enemy gains territory. But I believe the great awakening that so many are praying for is upon us now. And it's our choice to wake up to who we are in the earth. Or you say it this way from the scripture, who are we in Christ? Not who are we on our own. That'll derail the plan of God or that will derail God from using individuals when we think about ourselves. But when we think about who am I in Christ, that means how can he use me? Where has he put me among people? How am I demonstrating loving God and putting him first? How am I a, a walking example of how to honor God first? And then how am I an example of loving people really well? How am I depriving myself sometimes to be able to do that? I'll say it another way. Your love, your human love, will run out before you meet God's desire. You will always have people needing and wanting more of Jesus than you've got in yourself in that moment. So we go back and we receive from him what we need. God's love is not like human love. God's love is supernatural. That's why he commands us in the scripture, love the unlovely. Try doing that on your own and you'll run out of natural love pretty soon because many times the unlovely will suck you dry because <laughs> they're so desperate. They're so looking for somebody. And what happens is you get in a relationship and you think, I cannot do enough for this person. Well, you're, you're trying to do it on your own. We've all probably done that where somebody's just like, man, I got somebody paying me attention and helping me. I'm so thankful. And all of a sudden... There's this draw and you don't have enough in you. That's because there's, there's something that the Holy Spirit brings called His supply. And that's when we have more than enough. If you choose a life of ministry, you will not survive without God's supply of love very long. You'll run out. 
Why? Because Jesus is trying to meet the needs of people through a person, but not through their natural love, but through the Heavenly Father's love. That means it's more than we're going to ever be able to produce on our own. So we have a big challenge that we can't meet on our own. As an individual person, if we look at the challenges around us, we can't do very much about it. In fact, most Christians I know have kind of recoiled from all the issues because they don't know what to do. Why? It's overwhelming. The world we live in will continue to overwhelm our natural ability. So what God wants is for us to understand his supernatural ability, his supernatural empowerment, the kind of love that comes by endowment, or scripture would say endowment. It means God brings it to us because we ask for his help. He changes our capacity. He makes us able ministers of the gospel because without his love, we're not able to produce much, even when we have the good news. Have you ever wondered why you have a wealth of word in you? You know a lot of God's promises. But when it comes to helping others, how do we get others to be able to produce what the scripture promises? Or even in our own life, how do I get it to happen in me? It's because we have to have something joined with that truth. The scripture says again and again, God's word and his Holy Spirit are one. Or it means they're to work together as one. When you think of the, the person of the Holy Spirit, we can think, well, that's kind of a, a nebulous God with us. Think of the Holy Spirit this way. He is the spirit of love. He is the spirit of power. And he is the spirit of a sound mind. In other words, those are the three things that he will partner with you to do. He will sort things out that can't be sorted in our own mind. He will show us how to help somebody that we don't know how to help. He will help our mind think the way God thinks about a situation. We won't logically reason, well, I can't do that because I've never experienced that before. God's not banking on using your experience to love people. He's banking on Jesus' experience at the cross. That in us now works the resurrection of Jesus' cross and we've got a capacity we didn't have on our own. Just like what, what brought Jesus out of the grave. And you bring new life to a grave situation again and again and again. He gives us a, a sound mind, but people many times go after the power of God. I've got to see the power of God. Uh, I, I would put the power of God on the back burner because it always comes the same way. His power comes because faith works by love. The love ingredient causes God to move. When we love the way he loves, he will send his power to create change. He will send his anointing to create change. He will cause authority to rise up in the believer to make a change in the situation. So we can't do much without him. I want you to, to do away with the ideas that you are powerless in your generation. You are the most powerful people on the planet. Why? We have access to what God has already granted his will to be. We have access to get into agreement with God who owns this place. The devil's got a lease on the earth, but you know God still owns it. He still cares about everything that happens in this place and every person that's ever born into it. He wants every person born into it to have the opportunity to be born again out of it. To be able to be saved from a fallen earth to experience a glorified life. Well, that's enough introduction, I think. We're the counteractant.
God expects his church to become more love conscious. I've been praying a lot lately, revisiting the the 1970s when I was born again, spirit-filled, baptized in water, and on and on and on and on, experiencing the miracle-working power of God. I said, God, I want some things in our church to be like they were back then. Because there, there, was a, there, there was a great move of God in our area called the charismatic renewal. Many of you were saved even in that same renewal where there was, there was about a 12-year a window, I think it was, where great things happened. Then there was about a 10-year window after that where teaching ministry expanded and a lot of churches were opening. A lot of things were happening. And in those days, people wanted to go to church. Why do, why do we even have a challenge in that now? Because the love of many has grown cold. The love for God has grown cold. When we, we, we were challenged by that, we have to say, okay, I need more time with God, so I'm not challenged in that. See, it's spending time in his presence that whets our appetite for more. It's spending time with him that causes him to grow our capacity to want not just to be with him, but to be like him. Being with him is why we love him and put him first. Because he knows if we spend time with him, in those moments we become more like him. And what happens is his love spills out into us and our capacity to make a difference in the earth changes. And we become more proactive in in dealing with problems than we are reacting or running from them. As a Christian, you always know when you've not spent enough time with the master because you shy away from problem solving. You shy away from bringing the kingdom of God into the earth to make a difference for a person. Why is it sometimes we we, we forget about soul winning? We're in a, a lost world. It's because we're not spending enough time with Jesus who paid the price. Because he rubs off on us. And I know how it works with me. I just notice more. I become more aware. And when I become more aware, if I don't spend time with the Lord asking him about it, I feel overwhelmed. All around us will be trouble. In the world, there will be tribulation. He said so. The way to have it not ruin you is minister life into the tribulation situations where people are. Be the counteractant and a flood of God's love will come back into you because you'll be replenished like that. If you've ever been on a rescue mission for another person in anything, you may experience some fatigue, but when you hear the testimony out of their mouth of the victory, you are refreshed. You are changed. It works that way anywhere we're willing to serve God by serving people. The euphoria of God being pleased comes over us, and it refuels us to want to do it again, even if it was something tough to do. Now, Mark 12, this is Jesus in verse 29 saying, Hear, people of God, your new commandments. Verse 30, you shall love the Lord your God with all. And then he says words that mean your spirit life. There's four ways we press into God. One is spiritually. Coming to church fits that. Your prayer life fits that. Getting into the scripture fits that. Fellowshipping with other believers fits that. Your spiritual life. He put it first because it is your lifeline to the love of God, and without it, you'll not be full. We've got to have it. Did you ever wonder why Jesus said we need to be together? He knows when his people come together, he's not the only one ministering love. His people are going to be like him, and they're going to be ministering love. That's why I thought about this message. I thought, we've got to have a greeting moment. We've got to figure out how to do that. Why? It's an expression of God. 
It's not only something we want to give, we also want to receive from that and be wanted and be needed and be loved. It's part of what God intended. So when I consider the season that we're in, the devil's all over the season trying to counteract what God had in mind because God has a love revolution in mind and it starts in the house of God. It starts in the heart of the children of God. The only way it can come in the house is we get it in our heart. So today is about me trying to help you to get it in your heart. How do we get it in our heart? We just choose to say, I believe that and I want to be a part of that. God, help me do that. When we believe, he moves us into the doing and he helps us be able to do it. He gives us, believe it or not, he'll, he'll, he'll multiply back to you your time especially to do that. Many times people say, oh, God, multiply my time. You should say, why would he? That's the next question. What's in it for him? Because understand, he's a steward. So, but he, he gives me the desires of my heart. Not all of them, not if they're selfish. He said, regarding love and understand that we need time to, to do the love thing. We need time. That's our main resource in this life is our time. If we're asking for him to multiply our time and help balance our life, if we become better at loving him and loving people, things start to change. Why? He says, there's somebody doing my bidding. I believe I'm going to multiply their life, not just their time. This is uh, Jesus speaking. He said, spiritual life. Then he said, our thought life. Our thought life doesn't embrace this until our spiritual life does. Today, bringing the word to you is the seed to go into you that you need to put in your thought life. You will go through a transformation if you obey God in this message. He is responsible to do the work of transformation. We're responsible to plant the seed of God's word in our mind and chew on it a while. I've known a lot of guys have a habit with snuff in their mouth. Okay, little bulge. They like the flavor, they like the effect, but nobody likes the side effect. The side effect of having to spit. Understand when God's doing a work in us and love in us, there's a constant presence. It's kind of a poor example, but it, it works. Where people will know something's up with you. I, I learned to identify that right away, living in the South particularly and running a, you know, running a cleaning business nationwide. You look, you look for things that are not going to appeal to the cleaning industry and you call it out and get people, you, you can't do that here. So I have this, this way of identifying things like that. But when you're walking in love God's way, it, something about you is different and becomes identifiable. First to God... And what he does is he opens our eyes to make a difference. Then he opens our heart to have a capacity. And that happens in our thought life. It happens by considering today, my first mission is to love the master. My next mission is to love his people. My next mission is to reach out beyond God's people. My last mission is about me. If we reorder our thought life, God will bless our life. Why? Our thoughts come before our actions. So when we talk about giving God first place, our mind is the most incredible, important place to give him first place. We're here today because this is first place in our week. We're saying, God, I'm here for you to bless my week. The very next thing we do say, here's my mind. And we begin to worship him. We begin to exalt his name. We begin to magnify the Lord. 
What are we doing? We're putting him in right place in our thinking. Then we hear the scripture and, and, and we're having seed planted into our mind that we can consider and think about. Then when, when you begin to think about these things, understand God the Holy Spirit knows your thought life. He's not knowing it so he can condemn you. He's knowing it so he can help you. The thoughts he's interested in most are the God thoughts. Why? He can meet you there and he can bring authority and power into your life and then he can trust you with somebody. He can trust you with a person. He will put them across your path or you across their path without you asking anything. Why? He knows your thought life. And he's not going to disappoint you in your thought life. He's going to give you the ability to produce from that thought life God's will. He's going to change priorities in our thought life. And what happens then is he's blessed us first in that thought life. Then he can bless the rest. How many of you plan when you've got a big job to do? Most people do. They plan how to execute to get the job done. And we get in there with a plan and, and, and we love it when it works. We hate it when it gets messed with. If we're a true planner, you, see, you don't want anybody to mess with that plan. Why? I want to get this plan done by this hour so I can do this the next hour. And that's how we want to live. God thinks strategically. If he can get us to think about the right things, our actions will line up with his will. If you have a challenge seeing people in, in a loving way, the only way you'll ever overcome it is with God's help in your thought life. The seed of his love being planted in there will cause you to chew on that and chew on that and chew on that. And you may have to spit some stuff out. You may have to get rid of some wrong thinking. But he's going to, by his presence, being active in your life like a cow chewing a cud. Here's, here's, here's relevance. The word meditate in the scripture means chew on it like a cow chews on a cud. There, I can use the skull example. See, it's sanctified now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Third, he changes a third thing. We, we worship him, we love him with all of our, our, our desires and our feelings. You can't trust desires and feelings until you do the first two. Loving him the way that he wants to be loved spiritually, by being obedient, by being a doer of the word, literally by being, being, being at church, being a part of the body of Christ, engaging in what matters to God, honoring him, and then second, letting his seed be in your thought life enough that you're chewing on it in your conscience that it's always there. When I would talk to one of those guys with the thing in their mouth, when I was ready to talk to them, I'd say, you just need to spit that out before I talk to you. Because I'm not dealing with it running out the side of your mouth in this five-minute conversation because I know what's going to happen and you need to have it gone anyway. Now, when we're dealing with God, he's looking for a preoccupation. He's looking for what we're thinking about because he knows we want it. When you give your mind to, to a thought long enough, you are making a decision that you want to experience that. God sees our desire to experience something in our meditation and he calls it faith. You know, he tells us our faith works by love. I want you to understand how important this is for God to build a foundation of a great awakening that comes through his church. A foundation of our faith is faith works by love and if we're not using it for God's will, it's not going to work and do much anyway. 
If you've wondered sometimes, why is my faith not growing? Your love has to grow. Love supplies faith in God's mind. Love is the checkpoint God uses. Forgiveness is part of that love. Now, Jesus speaking, he said, he said the fourth thing, your, your physical strength. That means your, 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 your ability. That means your resources. That means your, your getting up out of bed. That means you know, maybe staying up and making one more phone call. That means uh, stretching your physical ability so that you can call on him for healing and know he has a reason to want to. Yes, Jesus is already your healer. But I've learned my faith grows when I know I'm obeying God. If something happens in this body and say, no, look, I got to preach in the morning. That stirs faith in me. Why? I know I'm obligated to obey God to do that because he's never told me not to do it. So what does that work in me? The ability to say I can see past this and whatever foolish thing I've done to be sick or my body be hurting or whatever. Lord Jesus, I'm just trusting you that I'm able to fulfill your will. And I chew on that and chew on that and chew on that and chew on that. And most times, by the time the time comes to do what I'm supposed to do, I'm able to. Not every time, but most times. Why? That's how faith works. By loving God. Well, how is that loving God? That's what he's asked me to do for him. To sow seed. I see it as precious seed. I see the things that I share as the things that will change the world. I believe that God's word is always what the world needs. Why, he created the place. He knows how to put back into motion everything that fixes everything that gets into commotion. He knows how to fix it. Now, he will judge how we operated in love. He will judge that. Did you know we do get judged as Christians? We're forgiven for our sin. Hallelujah. We're not going to appear before the great white throne and be judged for sin. At the great white throne, he says, they were forgiven. Hallelujah. But we are judged for something else. What did we do with this love he commissioned us to live in? What did we do in his great commandment? Think about it. Jesus himself said, you know, all those ten commandments you're going to fulfill in this one. Then he said, hear everybody what this one is. And it was loving God those four ways. And then love your neighbor as you want to be loved yourself or as you love yourself. So whenever we're feeling like we want attention, we need to ask a question. Have I given out enough to, to, to expect this myself? Many times I hear, hear Christians say, especially when they're separated from fellowship from the Lord, I just don't feel loved anymore. The only way to fix that is, is get back in God's love and sow some seed. Do something that, that matters to the kingdom. Now, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 4. This is a letter to church folks. Whenever I say that, it means it's to us. We that are in this tabernacle or in this physical body do groan. Why? We know that we, we're not enough on our own. So whenever we hear the, the word of God or the will of God like we're hearing today about supernatural love, we go, oh. Why? We know we can't do it on our own. This physical body knows when it's had enough. When you've had enough of somebody, you make an exit and go another direction and your body takes you. But your body has been spoken to by something else, your thought life. 
And if God doesn't get in there in that moment, you'll walk away rather than be Jesus. Why? It's easy to do. Why? We physically just are tired, just have so much energy. So our physical body cannot be God's first choice how to love people. It was last on the list. Our spiritual life was first. That means in any situation, at any time, you can call on Jesus and he will meet you at the scene to deal with the problem. If you've ever driven up on a really bad car crash and you're the first person there, you know Jesus that way right away. But you can't physically do everything that's needed in the situation, even if you want to, even if you know how. We never feel like we can be enough or fast enough to do enough in an emergency situation. But nonetheless, as a Christian, when we come on the scene of something like that, we're calling on the name of Jesus. It's almost instinctive because we're calling on him so that we can make whatever difference we can make. And most people in that situation, we'll get dirty, we'll get bloody, we'll do whatever we need to do. I've even seen people lift up, lift up 2,000 pounds worth of car. How could they do that? Why? God will endue even the physical body with strength if that's the only way to help the person. He's a miracle-working God. How does he work miracles? Through people who love well enough to cast everything aside and say, what is Jesus going to be in this situation? Because when you say, what would Jesus do? What would love do? We're really asking ourselves a question, how can I do the most in this situation? That's the Christian's passion. And you have that in you. We all have that in us. That's his spirit of love living in us. Not just a spirit of power, not just a spirit of a sound mind, but the spirit of love. So we instinctively go there more than we recognize and we just need to train ourselves. That's who we are. We're God's demonstration of love, and then he shows up with the power and the sound mind part. In those kind of crises, I've been in a few crises. What happens is you engage and instinctively begin doing what you can do, and as you're going, you seem to have some supernatural ability, or things start to happen and come together, and then your mind catches up with everything that you're doing. You go, wow, I didn't know I had it in me. Have you ever experienced that? That's the, that's the love I'm talking about, where it motivates first to take action to bring salvation, to bring about the change. Then God shows up to do his part. Then our mind catches up with it, and usually when your mind's fully caught up, your body goes, whew. Why? Something about that situation took everything you've got and then some that you didn't know you had. What is that something we didn't know we had? That's the Spirit of God manifesting to make a difference. Now, I'm not saying to become an ambulance chaser, but I am saying be prepared to be used of God in that way again, and it doesn't need to start in your mind. It ends in your mind. The sound mind comes after taking action. He's a spirit of power. He will empower you to love. Power comes first in the series, then love, then a sound mind. Interesting to me, he's there with the power. He will do the God thing. We just have to do the love thing. When we do the love thing, we're saying, Jesus, you are living in me. Let's connect to Heavenly Father's power and let's get it done. And your physical body will be endued with power from on high, just like they were in the, in the New Testament church. Something extra will happen. Are you ready for a power surge? To, to get a power surge, we get love-minded. 
And then God brings, the that's what the Holy Spirit does when we're in agreement with Him. This is how you agree with the Holy Spirit. You love God with all of your being, and you love people, and you put yourself last. Doesn't mean you don't love you, but the world's focusing on self-love, and they've got it backward. What does self-love do? It cancels out God's ability to use you, because we are self-minded. And when we're self-minded first, God has to find somebody who is not. Jesus was the selfless Lamb of God on the throne. If we want to associate with his resurrection power, we have to become the selfless person in resurrection. Say, Jesus, my new life is about you first. Thank you for that amen. We in this tabernacle do groan being burdened. We have a burden. God wants you to have a burden. Say, oh, no, I don't like the sound of that. (laughs) I didn't say a bondage. I said a burden. That our mortality might be swallowed up of his life. Some part of you deep on the inside, your spirit being knows, the more I allow God to work through my life, the more what he's doing through me will mean the more important it will become, the more it will define me, and the more I yield to him, the more my life will be about what does he want instead of what do I want. I want you to think about it this way. The scripture teaches that Jesus came into the earth as a man and he laid down all of his heavenly majesty and heavenly identity. He laid it all down. Why did he do that? So he could take on our humanity And understand what it was to be a human person trying to serve God in a fallen earth. What we have to do now to walk in his resurrection is lay down some of our earthly majesty to take up his heavenly purpose. We have to give ourselves the the right kind of thinking. The right kind of objective in our day. And that doesn't mean your your day is only going to be running around loving people for God. You have responsibility. What do we, we, we put him first in our thought life. When we put him first in our thought life, you will be the laborer he sends somebody across your path. If he looks at your schedule and he says, they really don't have time today, but they have desire. I believe I'll cause desire to usurp their time and I'll just send the person to them. And you can go hide in a cubicle or a closet or wherever it is you have to work and watch what God will do. If you have it in your heart to be Jesus today, he will cause somebody to come your way because he says, there's an available worker. Let's send the one to them that needs help instead of them having to figure it out. Isn't that good? See, he'll he'll work with us. If we just give him that little bit, he will work with us. Why? Our faith works by love. And I don't know about you, but I want my faith to always work. I want it to work extra well. Not just for me and my family. Why? My faith is last for me and my family. It's first for him. It's second for others. Then he says, if you do well with others, he'll make sure you don't do without yourself. See, there's no better self-love than the kind that comes from God. And he says, I love you. Why? He loves us better than we love ourselves. Now, that mortality might be swallowed up of his life. Now God wants the same thing for us. So he has given us the earnest of the Holy Spirit. There's that spirit of love. What did he do? He said, it's achievable with the Holy Spirit's help. It's achievable to be able to to walk in church and, oh man, this week I, I, I thought on the right things and God had me help somebody. You will find you will become a better worshiper. If you let God move through you, you will be like by the time you get here, 
This will be the house of celebration instead of the gas station. I'm going to tell you that's one thing wrong with the modern church. This should be the place of celebration rather than the gas station. Well, let's go get our spiritual bit. Our spiritual bit comes as we're meditating on Jesus. Here I am. I belong to you. I want to be a part of what you're doing. When you anoint me to help people, you're anointing me and it's helping me too. And I'm going to think right and I'm going to be better and I'm going to get up excited on Sunday morning and get ready and be there early instead of late. And I'm going to want to stay late and talk to people to find out what's next. You want to find out an assignment from God? Talk to three people. At least one of them will be in your next assignment. Why? He will let you see something if you're looking. He will let you hear something. He will cause a person to tell you something deeper than you asked for. Say, oh, why are they telling me that? You know the answer. Love needs to intervene. I I hope this is making sense. I think it is. He goes on to, to, to tell us we must all appear before the beam of judgment seat of Christ. That's not meant to be a scary place. That's not the same throne where sin is being judged for the unbeliever. It's a different throne. It's a throne that's always open. It's a throne that is open when you get to heaven. It's the first place you're going to find out what mattered to God and what didn't. And I think we already know before we get there. I think when we're in in the, the great tunnel to get there with the angels or whoever comes to usher us into heaven, we already kind of know what's coming. We have this sense on the inside, man, I wish I'd done more for Jesus. Why? We're having the flight of our life. We are leaving death behind. We're going into all eternity and suddenly there's this, this, this great awakening that happens. It's happening for us not because God's going to judge sin. God judged sin in Christ Jesus unless we totally walk away from him. We're under the blood of that covenant, the covenant of grace. But when we come to the Bema seat, God has one thing in mind. What have they done for me that I can reward? And what do I have to point out that I meant to reward? Now let's look at the verse. Pastor isn't making it up. Sounds like preacher would make that up, doesn't it? He's not making it up. I look at it, it's one of those scary places in the scripture. Where I said, I'm glad I don't have a sin judgment that you couldn't overcome that one. But this one I meant to overcome. For we all must appear before the beam of judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive according to what he has done. Now remember, this is written to Christians. This is written to church. Whether it be good or bad. Well, God's expectations reward the good. It's a place where rewards are handed out. It's, it's, it's God's dancing room. It's a happy place. It's where there's a great celebration. But notice, he said reward good and bad. That tells me And I'm not a rocket scientist, but it tells me God wants to reward there, but he won't ignore our disobedience. He won't ignore our failure to recognize the assignment. What I want you to know is when you get there, this is our life assignment. How do I embrace what I know when I'm worshiping God? How do I connect my church experience, my prayer experience, my study of the word? How do I take that and bring it into loving people instead of just loving God? How do I let myself be triggered to be used of God? Because loving him is a given. Loving people is our option. Did you know that? He commands it. So people that don't love him, they're at the other judgment seat, okay? Why? That's the great sin, to reject Christ Jesus and not love him as Lord. So they end up over there. 
But we end up at the other throne and he's saying, you know, the standard is the standard. And this relationship with Jesus was about being rewarded when you get here. Having a sense of satisfaction that it was worth it to be a Christian and fight the good fight of faith. Why do we fight the good fight of faith? It puts us in a position to love God and to love people. So when we get before the Bema seat, there's more good than not. I don't know if you've ever had the disappointment of failing with someone when you're trying to win them to Jesus. There's no sadder feeling than that. But on the opposite end, there's no greater feeling than to know you are the person that led them to the saving knowledge of Jesus and they will not go to hell because of what you did. That's the most amazing experience. Then if you keep in relationship, you start planting seeds of love and faith in them and you see a life transformed. That's the second best experience. This is written to a church. Why? God has an expectation. He tracks and he rewards our actions in loving him and loving people. And he expects it. For those that don't get what fellowship with God looks like and how committed we are up front, that we, are, we can't wait to get to church, why? That's part of the commitment. That we are excited when we look at the scripture because he's going to speak to us. When we pray, we expect answers to come, but this is our God that's more than enough to meet every need. It transforms how we're thinking and how we're motivated. And when we don't take responsibility for that, God takes that seriously. He says, you know, they're going to have to have a moment of truth. I don't know if you had parents like this. My parents quit spanking when I got bigger than them. But we didn't cease from having moments of truth. And you knew when one was coming. I got this fuzzy feeling of, how can I make this better before I have this moment? This is your moment with God like that. Why? He's not looking and saying, my kids won't be responsible. He's saying, why won't they let me show who I am to the whole earth? Why won't they engage me and see a life transformed? Why? He wants to transform us as we're helping plant seed in others. The greatest person to benefit in this is not the person you're loving. It's you. Well, changes our whole outlook on everything about life. Our whole values change. Everything we want starts to, to come into conflict. We think, now God, uh, it seems like you're, you're, you're asking something more of me. When God asks for it up front, he intends to reward it. Jesus said, not only in the life to come, but in this life too. See, if we're not careful, we get into a performance mode with God. We think, given it shall be given. And I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that for the master, and I'm going to serve over here. We serve him first from that heart, from our spirit man on the inside, from our thought life. Then we give to him our actions and our energies, and he blesses all of it. But he wants to get down to the, the core of our being. He wants to get down and heal what's wrong. When people don't love him enough to show up when it's Sunday morning, and I know there's sickness and there's things going on. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about when we choose to do something for, for ourselves instead of God, we are rejecting his love. And we will have a love deficit. Why? That's what happens, and, and the scripture calls it a falling away. What are people falling away from? They're falling away from love. So many times people didn't look for, well, people didn't reach out to me enough. No, Jesus is the one reaching out, see. But what do we do? We try to make a difference in that situation. 
So for weeks now, I've done this little promo I didn't do one this week. For those of you who've been watching it, inviting people to be in church, telling them they ought to be in church. And finally, I said, you know, God, if you can't get in their heart by now, I'm just going to step back from this. Why? Because it's a love issue. It's a not loving God enough issue when we're prompted three or four times and we don't respond. Now, I'm not talking about sickness or people with COVID predisposition. or anything. That, That's all. People have to manage that the way they want to. And this house is a house of grace. But it's also a house of responsibility. So when we get to the Bema seat, I want to see a lot of rewards handed out. Why? I, I, I think pastors get to know stuff like that. Because if you didn't know about this and you got there, you'd all be hunting for where I lived. And pastor, you didn't tell us. You wouldn't be able to say that about me. I will say, oh, I said it. I don't know if you were there that Sunday or not, but I did talk about that. <laughs> All right. Well, when you miss a Sunday, you miss out on something that's eternal. That's what people don't understand. His expectation. Now, three things we've got to do. We've got to evaluate our actions because God will judge us for love. We've got to look at our decision process and consider others in the body of Christ. When you're making decisions, consider loving people in your decisions. If you feel like God has in any way used your life, then think about his people when you're making every decision in your life. Does the new job empower me to obey God more and maintain the relationships he's made me responsible for? Does my decision to do this in my life affect God's plan for my future and my availability to him? Does my decision to befriend this one take away from my responsibility to this person? So I, I've learned the more you, you work to help people, you don't have a lot of time for a lot of fluff. Why? You become God's strategic instrument. And he has a, a mission for you in many of life's moments. And they're not first social. They're first of a spiritual nature. You're, you're going to take them through the same pattern. You're going to help change their thought life. I'm sorry this has happened to you. This was not God's will for you. This is the enemy coming against you. And we're going to pray all right, but you're going to make some changes. So when we pray and God answers it, you don't lose the answer. You're going to have to make some life. And what are you You're planting seed in somebody's mind. What is it? That's love. That's love. It isn't pray and run. Pray and run isn't love. It's an escape. It's, it's literally saying, I do not have time to help you learn how to deal with trouble. Well, that's why we're here. Problem solvers for God. I didn't get any amen there, and I, I, was, I was hoping for at least, at least a muffled one. Why? That's who God anoints. All right, now. Third thing, the power of God should be called into our relationships in the church, in the body of Christ. I, I, I know Carol and Denny. I call them friends. I would call them, them special friends. I've told them before that they're kind of, kind of in between a, a mom and dad, a grandma and grandpa, and a brother and sister. It's kind of like you mix all those things together, and that kind of describes how I see them. And that same anointing, that same way is on the whole bunch of them. That's just kind of the, the, the Benoit way, I would call it that. Why? A purposefully choosing to be loving no matter what is in, mixed in there. Now, if I were to say that they are like that, and they get involved in a situation to love people, I can trust that they're going to look past the situation and express love and put themselves last. And many of us do something like that. They do that exceptionally well. It doesn't mean that they don't need an infusion of love. It means they've gotten used to being used by God that way. And there's no other feeling like that, is there? 
than them believing you've made a difference in somebody else's life. The power of God gets called into our relationships in church. Where I was, what I want to illustrate in that is if I would, were feeling particularly blue, most of you never know it, they'd figure it out. They have before. Pastor, we're just praying for you a lot. Don't know what it's about. I'm thinking, I do. I do. Why? They're picking up why. God's used them that way. You kind of get this built-in radar. When you've obeyed God with something, you pick up on it the next time. You, you know what to do about it the next time. You all have something like that. More than one thing. The power of God then is called into our relationships. If they're praying for me, especially if I say, well... This is what's going on. Thank you for your prayers. I know they're going to release the power of God toward my situation. Why? Because they love me enough to do it. Power can't go where love does not proceed it. So when we love somebody enough to pray boldly what the scriptures say, God's going to show up in his love to make a difference. Sometimes to totally and completely turn the situation around because our faith is great enough. Now, last couple of things. We live by his love standards. We learn to. It's getting hot. I know it's getting hot, and I know it's 1130, but I, I've got I've to finish on the high ground. God's got something to give us so that we can be the difference. I know sometimes when, when pastors preach, it sounds like, well, they're trying to squeeze something else out of me. No, God's trying to put something in us so he doesn't have to put the squeeze on us anymore. When we're feeling the squeeze, it's because we're not full enough. When we're, we're a sponge full enough, you hold up the sponge, water runs out. When it isn't very full, you can squeeze all you want to. You might get a drop. There's a difference. Have you been there before? Thank, thank, thank you for four honest, five honest, or a few of you nodding. Second Corinthians 4, still this same letter to the church, and this is what he said immediately before what I just shared with you. Verses 14 to 15. For the love of Christ constrains us. It means the love of Christ controls our actions. The love of Christ will hold us back in some situations and put us forward in other situations. The love of Christ is supposed to be what runs our decisions for each other, within the household, for our spouse, in our relationships at work. The love of Christ says you will be the best worker there. The love of Christ says you will show respect even when you disagree with the boss. The love of Christ, when it grows, will show you how, how to not passively be in agreement, but actively be in agreement and go get the job done. The love of Christ will cause promotion to come to you because you did it God's way. Again and again and again. Why? God's love is honoring. God's love will go before. God's love will follow up. God's love will be there in the middle of whatever the fight is or whatever the issue is. The love of Christ is meant to be a controlling factor in our life. The word Lord literally means master and controller. How can Jesus control us? Honestly, he can't control people unless... The love of Christ in them is the rule book. And we look at one another and we, we think in all of our decisions, will this hurt my church body? Will this hurt my relationships where God is using me to make a difference in somebody's life? That isn't just for the preacher to think about. That is what church ministry, that's what being in the body is. What's going on with the other body parts? If I'm going to put my right arm in a cast, my whole body's not going to like it. My whole body would suffer. Well, I do a lot with this right arm. Uh, if, if my eyes didn't work, I don't know what the sermon would say the next week. 
Why? I depend on my eyes to pull stuff up online and cut and paste and set up a sermon. It would be by memory. I could get it out. It wouldn't be as organized. I can tell you why. I need my eyes to work to do that. Our body, our church needs every part working. Scripture says providing what it will provide. What do we provide? Only God's love. There's no other spiritual commodity in us that can create life change in other people. It's not our natural love. I want to tell you, this is not to wear you out. This is to fill you up. This is to take our church and have it not be a filling station anymore, but everybody know you got one on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit is living in there, and he says, I will give your spirit everything that you need to be like the Holy Spirit. What's he like? Full of love. Full of power first. What kind of empowerment? The empowerment to bring Jesus' resurrection into people who need his help desperately. Into a world that's in chaos and out of order and stepping toward lawlessness. He brings order. He, he squelches the confusion. He takes the cause of the demonstrators and brings justice into the land without destruction. He is able to fix anything that's wrong and I believe that. Why? He created the place. He made us. He knew what would go wrong. He knew how to fix it. He came and initiated the fix and he said, kids, just finish it. We can receive his love supply. This is Romans 5. Verse 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Philippians chapter 1 says the supply of the Holy Spirit can turn anything around. Today we are going to open the altar. I'm not going to go on preaching. We're going to open the altar for this purpose. Our love is on assignment. It isn't our human love. It's God's love wanting to change the course of history in the nation. Wanting to give the, the kids that are still in school a normal childhood, a happy childhood. For babies being born today to not imprint what they see and what they know with a mask over mommy and daddy's face. They can see the eyes. They'll probably really be good at reading eyes. But I wonder what will happen because of being Kawhi. That's not God's plan to restrict. It's, it's his plan to bring liberty. But he does it his way always through love. Compelling love. Everything changes. So what is it God wants to do? He wants to create a great awakening in each of our hearts to how to walk in the love of God really that it's supernatural. We're not walking there unless it's supernatural. We're trying to produce the works of God in the flesh and we will die trying. I'm glad of that. I don't know about you, but me thinking about that set me free because I know how many times I've run out of gas trying to make a difference, thinking, all right, God, there's more to it than this because I am plumb wore out and I've done everything I know to do and still looks like things aren't fixed. So what do we do then? We, we, we go back to the Holy Spirit who is the supply. The person of God living in us, we say, Jesus in our heart, that's the Holy Spirit. His spirit is in the earth living here. Jesus in the flesh bodily is in heaven at the right hand of the heavenly father waiting to come back to take his bride away from this place. Jesus is there. His spirit is in here though. And his spirit says, I know everything in the plan of God concerning you. And if you are willing and obedient, you can eat the good. Here's how you're going to eat the good. You're going to be my person with a love outflow. I don't know about you, but I want to be part of the solution instead of complaining about the problems. As the body of Christ, it helps us steer our faith, you see. We should be the most faith-filled people in the earth, and if we're not, it's because we've got a love issue. 
If we get that love issue fixed, faith will rise. And we'll find that we've got the right word in due season. We'll find that, that it doesn't require this special boldness. It's just like, oh, I know what I need to say right now. And it comes out easily. Why? The resistance is in our mind. If we give God that thought process and we chew on thinking about loving people enough, it just starts to flow. Why? It's not us. It's no longer I that lives. It's Christ Jesus that lives in me. I want you to stand. If you've had any issue, any assault that's affected your love walk, we're going to pray for you in the altar when we close. There will be a quiet moment. Maybe it's you recognize you need to be endued with power from on high. That's the love of God. When the love of God hits you in the way that I'm talking about, you'll want to talk to the master. You'll have a release in your prayer life. You will have a gushing flow of a river of living water that comes out to you that is in response to God touching you. If you are dealing with issues where people have wronged you and you can't get past it, you sometimes, I'm just going to say it, you probably will never get over that on your own. It's the love of God coming in that will constrain you. What does it mean? It'll contain the problem and cause an overflow to come where healing will come to your soul and you will be able to operate free of it and say, you know, it's no longer me. This is Jesus in me. And I am moving past this thing and it's not going to affect me anymore. That's supernatural. If you've got anything that you're waiting for that to happen, we're going to pray for you today. Why? I know this is what God desires for us to experience as a church. We've got to have a great awakening here, and it starts on the inside of each person. And then when we engage him, he wakes up everybody around us. You are the key to a wake up for many people. It's a matter of us being alive and alert enough. Heavenly Father, we yield ourselves to you. And the power and ministry of your Holy Spirit today to renew in us a right spirit. The right spirit is one of your power, your love, and you move in to create a sound mind, the mind of Christ in us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that every crisis, every problem, every issue we will face involving people, you will anoint us to make a difference by loving well. Heavenly Father, you made it easy for us. We just step in and look for what is it I can say or do that will make a difference in this situation. Now, Heavenly Father, I thank you that your anointing break every yoke of bondage in our thought life that our thought life be cleared up in Jesus' name, that we can chew and meditate on this word about love and instantly, immediately be transformed to be more like Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we bring solutions and we don't stir up problems. I thank you that we consider one another in the body of Christ carefully as we make our decisions and what they will be. Being led by your Holy Spirit is really considering the people you put us in the family with that we're connected to. It is what I am doing in concert with what is going on in the family. Father, it's a family kind of anointing that sees love, power, and a sound mind. Now, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you stir up in us right desires right now to receive what it takes from you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that today you were challenged to move closer to God and encouraged with the depth of His love for you. If you would like to know more or hear additional messages, please call us at 217-395-2231. You can also write to us at Living Word Church, P.O. Box 158, Roberts, Illinois, 60962. Or visit our website at go to lwc.org. And as always, we would love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace.